You are listening to The Consequential Podcast. I'm David Convery. With me, Roger. Hello! Lucy. Ah, you have surnames that. as well, I realise. No, I, I, only, no, I we said don't. my surname. No, 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 we don't. You're like, you're like the, the, the iconic. You're, you're, you are a No, no, no the courts took it away. Oh. I couldn't be trusted with it. Oh, mine's just not very good, so I assume we were skipping over it. I think yours is good. I've always been really impressed with your surname. It's kind of crisp, I guess. It's classy. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I've always thought it adds a... That sounds nice, doesn't it? That sounds like... like Sounds like a fancy man. A solicitor that wouldn't fuck you over too much. A little bit, but no more than was decorous. Yeah. Just the sort of country practice. You need a jag, right, to know that you're a proper solicitor. Hmm. Jags have skewed just, just, just... They've, they've un-old skewed and they've skewed slightly cooler than I'm comfortable uh, I'm not, with. I'm not down with that. Maybe an yeah. old one. You need though. an old Jag. I need to learn to drive first. That can be arranged. I don't want to. I've got a Honda Civic outside. I don't want to learn to drive. Can we hoon around? We can hoon around. Okay. We can but hoon first, around with Frank Zappa on the radio. First, what have you read? What have you been reading, Lucy? Um, I read three things. I read Solo by Hope Larson. Which, which is her new solo project. It's her new solo project. It's a webcomic about... A couple who are in a reasonably successful band who've decided to split up. They play their... Well, they've split up as a couple and they've split up as a band. Right. Um, and it's it mostly focuses on the, the the wife, the ex-wife. Her sort of... She hasn't got any money. It's how she... But she's left with the van. She's adjusting to what she's going to do next. She sort of meets some fans from the show and they're kind of 19 years old and starstruck and they invite her around to their house because she's got nowhere to crash in town and that's kind of where we've got to do you know so i know that this is something she's doing that she's going to sort of gather into print i think and and Mm -hmm. kickstarter when enough of it's written but it's on patreon now isn't it it might well be i I I read just what was available to the public do you do you know her well enough to know if this is sort of semi-autobiographical i don't i i can see where hints of that would come in uh, but it didn't feel... It's not straight-lifted. It's, it's, no. it's informed, as opposed to... Uh, okay. It just seems... It seems... Uh, she, she split up with Brian Lee O'Malley last mm. year, and it seems like it, it sort of sprung up immediately after that. Um, so... It's, if, if it's a way of working through some stuff, it's, it's good of its own... You know, it stands under its own merit. It's yeah. not... Um, it's not what's happening with questionable content, as far as I've heard. I've, I still don't read questionable content. I haven't read it for a long time, but those who do inform me that um, the creator is currently using it as a vehicle to work through his alcoholism issues, and it's very heavy-handed. Oh, golly. That's going to work so well. She's, she's not She's not, not, she's, she's not. She's not doing that. She's not doing that. Okay. That's good. That's good. I like Hope Larson. I've not read, I've not read Solo yet, mainly because of my problem with reading webcomics and the pacing of them. Mm-hmm. Like... I don't mind joke strip webcomics, but narrative eked out like that, I I much rather read it in bursts. Gallicrig is driving me fucking nuts. I need to stop reading it. I need to pick it up again, and actually it probably won't drive me nuts because I've had a good eight-month break from it. Mm. Well, the good thing is I have this voodoo skull right here, which will allow you two to swap lives. Oh, God. That would be horrifying. You'd, you'd see some weird shit. Yeah, but I just thought it would be great, which suggests that you think my life's awful. I kind of aspire to yours. Well, that went to a dark place. Yeah, quickly. No, I just think you'd see some terrible things. I don't think I'd be any happier, but I'd be doing more interesting stuff. Are you sure? 
because I just mooch around on my own, cook up, cook and eat and drink a lot. That sounds good. That sounds good. You'd enjoy sobriety and blizzards where property is. Do you know, I might enjoy that. We could, we could try could it out. We could play some Hearthstone. We could try it out. How, how attracted are you to my partner on a scale from one to ten? You don't have to answer that on air. That's kind of... A bit, but not massively. Yeah, fair. I'm guessing probably similar. He's he's a nice guy. Mm. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't. This, is, this, is, this has got weird. weird I'm taking off. the voodoo skull away. Um, I'm glad Solo's working out, because I yeah. do... I, I like a lot of the stuff that I last did mm. when she was starting out. So Grey, Have you Grey read, Horses um, was great. Mercury? No. I'm, I can probably lend it to you if you'd be interested to. It's good. Yeah. It's, it's a sort of semi-spooky teen... Story. I do like spooky teen stories. You do. You're a regular Scooby Doo. Yeah. Speaking speaking of spooky He's teen the guy stories. In the mask. Yeah. That beard is not real. Are you te- are you going to tell the folks at home what's been happening in your local area? I was trying to get you to talk about the new John Allison. Uh, I thought you wanted comic, to talk about the Freaky Night Circus. There is a Freaky Night Circus. Yeah, the circus in the woods that only you can see. There's a, there's a, there's a forest near where I live, and um, there's a sort of round clearing and. Car a circus park. appears there. It's not a car park. It's a fucking forest. It's Come a tree. <laughs> it's a car park. It's it's a forest. I took a picture. It's a magical forest. There's a circus in a forest clearing. It's fucking creepy. It and looks I don't horrifying. Like it. Put it in the show notes. The forest. <laughs> the creepy picture <laughs> the of the circus. The other thing that I read this week that nobody else read was El Defo by Cece Bell. What is this? Completely ignoring my segue into Giant Days. Well, I thought we might as well all talk about it at the same time. Why not? That was. I thought you could talk about it and maybe. How's El Defo? El Defo was really good. It's um a. Did he just sneeze? My cat just sneezed really loudly. I hope that picked up on the microphone. Yeah, same. Um, it's the story of a young girl who um loses her hearing after an illness. And it's the 70s, so she has to basically adjust to enormous kind of clunky hearing devices and all sorts of kind of social problems. But she also has sort of regular kid social problems around, like, you know, maintaining friendships and anxiety at school, having a crush on a boy, that kind of thing. Um, And I think it was clearly sort of... It's in the same belt as the Raina Talgemeier stuff. It's, It's up there with Smile. It's teaching kids about an issue in a fun and approachable way but I really enjoyed it it was, it was fucking charming it was a nice pleasant read all the people are anthropomorphic cartoon rabbits and it's really cute that was my next um, question is what does it look like it looks like cute rabbits uh, are cute they all rabbits, rabbits who wear human clothes they're all rabbits there's no sort of what one or two of the teachers are a different animal type thing that you sometimes get in animal stuff they're all rabbits um, there's no Allen Ginsberg is a water buffalo. No. Which I like. But he sometimes is. Sometimes he is. He brings Mary Worth. Um, but no, it was it was brightly coloured and utterly charming. Um, I didn't... I mean, I'm probably... I don't know why I say this, but I'm probably the most inclined to read that kind of children's comics of you guys. I mean, I was up on Smile before you... Yeah, yeah were, I don't, I don't um, tend to stumble upon upon the all ages stuff. It can be utterly charming. I found it in a random nerd shop in Dublin, and it was ten euros. So I took a punt on it and thought um, it was lovely. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't have any particular aversion, but with stuff like that, it will be the art that draws me first. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas I kind of went in for the issues. I'm sort of generally interested in like disability politics mm. stuff, and I want. I didn't realize quite how young it was. Yeah. Aimed, but that was. 
same, but wor- me being a worse person, why I picked up Roller Girl. I fucking love Roller Derby. I didn't realize it was an all-ages comic. Mm-hmm. I don't care. It kind of barely is. You can hardly tell. Mm. No, this is, this is more obviously aimed at mm. kids, I would say, but I really liked it. Does it um, does it feel like it's being issues for the youngins, or does, oh, it just, no. does it feel like it's it's just quite fluid and fluent and no, ha- it's, happens it's, to be kid friendly? Yeah, no, it's totally it's totally normal. It's not heavy handed. It's this is a thing that happened. It sometimes happens. It caused me a bunch of problems, but then I learned how to deal with them. Sort of thing. Well, it wasn't the sort of after school special, hmm. which which was was even better. So yes, that was that was El Defo. Check it out if you like things about deaf kids or want to know more or know a deaf kid who might be heartened by how much better hearing aids are than they were in the 70s. Yeah, I imagine they must have been pretty grim. Yeah, like big, big kind of stuff with cords attached to a pouch that you had to wear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, none of this, just stick it in the ear and let go of the... um, One of the big sort of themes in the book is that the teacher has to wear a thing called the phonic ear, which is a microphone which kind of plugs directly into the kid's hearing aid. Like like an induction loop, essentially. Yeah, but she's got a huge thing and the teacher's got a huge thing kind of strapped to the front Mm. of them. And the teacher's inevitably forgets to take it off, so she gets to hear them talking trash in the teacher's lounge and going to the bathroom and stuff like that, and that's kind of a plot point. So something we've both read is uh, Giant Days. Yes. The, the reboot. The reboot. The the, the difficult second album. Mm. Um, which, Giant Days is... What, what are we calling John Allison's collective comics, which all sort of relate to each other? Is it the Bobbins verse? Can we call it that anyway? The Tackleford verse, maybe? I don't know. It's the the tackle verse. Yeah, I, I like Bobbins like verse. Bobbins verse is more inclusive. Yeah. And Tackleverse sounds like a problematic sausage. You sound like a problematic sausage. She is I right. do. You do sound like a problematic <laughs> sausage. His toes are like beans. I, I, I Not Roger's the cats. I know we've been sort of recording quite a lot of podcasts, but it's because we've been too shy to work up to his intervention, but now that it's been breached, <laughs> you're a lot like a problematic sausage and it has to stop. It's tearing us apart. I am the worst. It's like he's doing yoga. Sorry, the cat. You're the yeah. cat. <laughs> How did you we, find Giant Days? I... <laughs> we don't want to repeat of the yoga incident. How did I find Giant Days? I... How did you find John Allison's humour without John Allison's art? It didn't work as well as I hoped. I wanted to like it more than I actually liked it. I feel really bad about this, but for me it turns out a lot of his humour is in expression and mannerism, and when done by somebody who isn't his weird brain, it just didn't translate as well. It was... It was fine, but it wasn't Giant Days. So I, I feel broadly similar, with the caveat that I need to go back and read the ones that he did himself, mm-hmm. because I, I remember them being slower paced and not as, not as joke heavy, not as linguistically complicated as uh, Bad Machinery. Yeah. Um, and being a bit more plot focused, which this definitely was, and it was yep. a lot slower. I don't know. I found I found. Because I didn't. I Daisy didn't was fine. Susan style. was possibly slightly better, but Esther just wasn't quite right for me. There was something. It's the, it's the lack of the upturned nose. It's that it's that Allison upturned pointy nose. Yeah. So what does what does Giant Days do? 
It's sort of it's it's Esther from Bad Machinery, the university years. She's sort of the sister of one of the main characters in Bad Machinery, um, and it's just a continuation of his stuff. And it's mm. it's basically so far there have been three sort of small issues, which he's been he's done sort of one a year and mm-hmm. been selling them at cons for the last three or four mm. years. And now Boom Studios have brought out this one, which is drawn by him and illustrated by a team of people whose names I cannot remember and no one added to the show notes. You also said drawn by him, which... No. Well, so the originals are, the new one's not. Yep. Yep. It's um, written by him. <clears throat> it's written by him. Yep. Sorry. Oh, I see. The, so the new one's there's drawn a lot of stuff there. Yeah. So I think it's a six-issue series so far. Um, it's essentially about Freshers' Week at least initially, at the time... So it's been going for four years as small issues, and I think at the start they say they're three weeks in to of university this one, at yeah. this point. So they've had, they've had three weeks' worth of stuff happen yeah. previously. And he sort of... He admitted on his blog about it that it was something he did when he was in a creative slump. It was his kind of, let's try and reignite the fire thing, and it, it was... Hmm. It's interesting that this is the direction it's gone in. Yeah... I'm not, so I, I will at least try the next one. I'll probably wait for the trade after that. But yeah. I, I didn't dislike it, but yeah, something something fell off. And I think you're right, it is the lack of the art. There was, there was just, a, it was, it wasn't that it was bad, it was just like there was a, something slightly off-key in there. There was something, it was uncanny valley enough that to might, yeah, a familiarity unsettle thing. me. I and mean, that, that might be because I'm very, very, you know, I've read quite a lot of his stuff. I'm very yeah. used to seeing his words come out of his characters' mouths with the faces that he's drawn. Roger, Rod, you described it really quite nicely earlier, which is saying that he manages to pose people in a way that looks sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. Which... Well, this is, I was thinking about the thing that I've read... Um, that looks looks a little bit like some of his stuff, and it has that same almost ironized character construction. And in his case, yes, yeah, slightly sarky. The there's this there's a posedness to it. But sorry, that was just me repeating what you said that I said. That was great. I know, but it, you know, it, makes, it makes it sound like you, you get to take credit for it. Oh, good job, go team. Roger, what have you been reading? I don't fucking know. Well, thank fuck we've got this iPad then, because it says on it. Yay! Yay. Roller Girl's probably the one that you've been most excited about. Yes, although I did very much enjoy I Am Fire, and I didn't at all understand I Don't Like My Hair Need. Fair. Um, so I have read um, the first volume of Descender, which is... Sorry, the first issue of Descender, which is the new... Is Matt Kent and Jeff Lemire, isn't it? I would need to check. I don't think you get both at once. I don't think it's Matt Kent. So it's it's Jeff Lemire and Dustin Nguyen. Sorry, yeah, so it's not um, Kent and Lemire, although I'm sure there is something they were collaborating on. But Kent has a new book coming out from Valiant, which mm, looks quite mm. similar. Yeah. So this is, is... It looks like it could be really interesting. On the other hand, it also looks like if you squint, it's Mass Effect fanfiction. <laughs> um, so... The uh, the prologue is you have a high tech society, beautiful, that gorgeous watercolory art, foofy space stations. It's, it's 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 lovely. It's beautiful. Um, robot scientist is dragged out of bed. A scientist to, who works on robots, not a robot. A scientist who is a robot. Oh, I passed and, it that way yeah, the first time. So to go and deal with a giant a crisis, which is some giant robots who look a bit fifty sci-fi have appeared. And then they're not the Reapers from Mass Effect. 
Totally not. Totally, definitely, definitely totally not, not. For sure. No. Not. Yeah, yeah. But there's a United Galactic Council and, and some untrusted humans. And, and, I, think they get called, <laughs> really? and I think they get called harvesters. Um, uh. And... Um, and then we flash forward to the future, and it turns out they were malevolent, and everyone's fucking dead, and there was a massive backlash against robots. And then this adorable little boy robot, child companion thing, wakes up from being deactivated, and is find, downloads all of these news reports and finds himself on the run. And it's clearly going to be some sort of negotiation of there's some other stuff going on. It's going to be there. Are, there's, there's a few things in the mix. It's going to be a nice sci-fi kind of prejudice thing going on, but also what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be fit to feel? There's Clearly what does it mean to feel, Roger? I don't know. I drank that away years ago. But there's going to be all sorts of things in the offing about that. So, mm. Comics are the only way I can recapture it. Not so true. It's, it's not true. It sort of sounds like Lemire's read... I mean, I read it as well, and it's very hard to tell where it's at from this one issue. There's mm. a lot of exposition. Mostly it just it's looks gorgeous. absolutely beautiful. It really is. Um, I've, I've not really seen much of Nguyen stuff before, but... Um, Little Gotham's the only thing I've seen of his, which is... Did he do some stuff on The Authority? I honestly don't recall. Um, the dim <clears throat> mental clinking that says maybe. But he did the sort of cartoony what if everyone in Batman were kids thing, mm. which was really nice. Oh, yeah. Um, but it it sort of seemed like it's going to go down similar similar pathway to Sweet Tooth, um, where you have the sort of the childlike innocent and the horrible world. Yeah. Um, and how those sort of rub up against each other and what, Except the what kids changes. Got, like a shit ton of weird robot bits and may or may not have a gun and Yeah. But at the same time he's sort of he's been completely isolated from the mm. world, which is exactly the same setup as Sweet Tooth. So I don't mean I don't mean it's retreading the same territory, but it's a good mm. it's a good setup to explore that world from you have you have effectively a, a, an audience analog character who is completely new to it as well yeah. and is completely innocent. And I, I loved it. Um, the thing I really wanted to read that actually looks like it might be visually similar but I didn't get around to is the new thing on Valiant. But again, we, we can talk about that when I actually have read it. Um, That's the Cosmonauts. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, it looks like it's going to be beautiful. I read the first few issues of Satellite Sam. I don't really want to talk about it because... It just totally failed to grab me, although it really ought to have, and I don't know why, so I should probably go back to it. I, I totally I, get your point about it being a bit Sorkin. Yeah, it's it's like filthy Sorkin. It's just... It, it's, too smart for its own good, or...? It's very difficult. Right. Um, also, too, difficult. Far, too fast to pause if you're being casual. Sure. Yeah. So, I think an inherently more kinetic medium like TV probably is kinder to that. You, mm-hmm. you, you pick out the speech and... But they're something to do with panel flow and visual coherency and knowing who's speaking, and the characters are all drawn relatively similarly. I actually found it really hard to follow, especially given that I wasn't that bored into it and I was reading it because I was mm-hmm. bored. I should go back to it. I should give it a fair hearing. It's probably great, but I struggled. I struggled with the first few issues. I reread it as a trade, found it easier, but still not wholly satisfying or... Mm. Genuinely brilliant, and I think I'm slightly more forgiving of pretty much anything Matt Fraction does than you are. Yes. And I genuinely dislike Howard Chaikin's art style, so... Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to read it, no. based on this review. <laughs> much, um, much better, or certainly more accessible, I think better. And one of the reasons I was going to vaguely suggest we did sort of an old-timey Hollywood sort of podcast theme, because there appears to be a lot of this sloshing around at the minute, is... I'd like um, to do that. We could do really nasal voices. Is, um, Hello, you're listening to the consequential... Po- like that. That'd isn't that what you always sound like? I've no. got a cold, so we should just capitalise on that. Yeah. Let's fucking take this all the way to the bank. 
Which um, will then rob with comical old-timey guns. A little bag saying loot. Yeah, I'll say C at the end of every sentence. Mm. Uh, no. Kieran Gillen makes a lot of puns, see? That sort of thing. That sort of thing? That sort of thing. I've been watching a lot of Police see. Squad. You, you just sound like Terence and Philip. That's okay. Um, the Fade Out. The Fade Out, which is old-timey Hollywood. Yay! Um, but it's it's Brubaker and Phillips. It's a noir murder mystery. Is it it's now? Baker and Phillips. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's Fatal on a film set. Do they have um, any other concepts? No. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They've but done modern day Are they noir. pursuing any <sighs> No. Okay. No, they do, they do a lot of crime stuff. This is really good. Okay. Um, the art's simple, but a bit impressionistic. It takes, it throws a lot of balls up in the air. It jumps around a lot mm. more with the colouring as well. It yeah. does a lot with, oh, it does a lot, a lot in the way that it snaps between watercolour and... Um, there's a lot of context coding with the colour. Yeah. Does the premise avoid a bunch of the messy gender stuff that happened in Fatal? Not really. Not really, okay. it's quite hard. So it's, it's about a murdered starlet. Um... The Let's main, start with violence against women. Yeah, the main character the main character wakes up in a sort of booze fog, um, and there's a there's a murdered Hollywood starlet, and it's essentially about the studio system and how they refuse how to this deal with it. Thing works, and, of course, and how it was sort of inherently violent against women, everyone, mostly women, black people, everyone, black women, communists. Yeah, yeah. they had a particularly so hard time. It does all that stuff. Um, I'm a bit more sympathetic towards it than Fatal because it's trying to be set in the real world a bit more and mm-hmm. I think it gets to write itself a little bit more of a check for showing how shit it was as opposed to creating a new world and being shit in it. Are there any weird Nazis? No. Okay. So far. So far? Mm, not so far. Everyone everyone is just... It's set just after World War II so everyone's still freaking out about the war. So yeah. PTSD is a big theme. Yeah. Okay. Um, and sort of PTSD, PTSD of... America as a nation. Sure. In that totally undiagnosed, ununderstood way. And yeah. so there's... Which kind of explains most of the second yeah. half of the 20th century, ultimately. Yeah. yeah. PTSD as fractured masculinity is... And yes, I read gendered socialisation into almost everything these days, but is one of its big tropes, I mm-hmm. would argue. I think it's one of its big not-called-out tropes. Sure. Um... Oh, it's. I mean, but the particularly good is there's the sort of gruff studio head who is everything you would expect from a mid twentieth century gruff studio head, mm-hmm. and then there's just this digression where he goes into the hills, um, the, oh, the hills behind L.A., joins a commune, um, which is basically just growing vegetables and fucking, and he's so happy. Happier than he's ever been. And then the studio security staff come and bring him back and put him in charge of the film studio again. And he's miserable. It, it breaks him. Have you, have you considered taking the podcast on the road to the hills for some vegetable growing and fucking? Even to the woods? <laughs> even to the circus? <laughs> to that circus where they might not rape and murder you. No, I haven't really considered will. that. I'll happily go with you all to the hills and grow some vegetables, but yeah, I'm not um, particularly attracted to either of you. That's fine. That's okay. That's okay. That's fine. Um, also, I don't just want to eat vegetables. Kill a raccoon. No. They're so, lousy with parasites. Sorry, road trips off. Oh, I saw a dead badger the other day. Those always disturb me. No, um, I, w- I would say I would say take a look at the fade out, but it has got it's got problems, but it's got problems because the fifties had problems. I don't think it yeah. articulates them any worse than they were. Is this this is a trade? The first trade? It's yeah. a trade. There's more available. 
it's slowly working through. It's 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 very obviously visiting different chunks of this. Mm. Um, so well, the, the sort of communist blacklist is a big part of it. Uh, I have the hard copy trade. If you would like it, I think I would I like think it. Issue one might have been in the bundle. It was okay, um, which will give you a good flavour. If I'm going to read it, I'd rather read the trade. So yeah. if you don't if mind, you, let's if you do want to, like, no harm sample. So um, one thing's worth saying is, if you are someone who buys um, singles, they are particularly worth it for the fade out because each one has an essay on classic Hollywood mm. and um, their sort of. Um, uh, generally four or five pages long about an aspect of uh, of essentially the underbelly of Hollywood at the time and they're genuinely well written and interesting and are these by Brubaker and Phillips? Or no they, they get are else in, by so? the guy who runs Bleeding Cool I believe okay hmm. I was going to say where, the, where do you find the time to make the comic and write a four to five page essay about it uh, that actually sounds like it's probably quite good fun to be fair, writing it takes less time than drawing it, so you know, Ray Baker could churn this, churn these things out. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tikaf actually did um, uh, a really weird little presentation with Darwin Cook, sort of basically the two of them in conversation for an hour and a half about crime drama and noir, mm. and then presented um, uh, a movie, which was a nice time. Good. Sounds like nice a good, time. good deal. Good. Yeah. Sounds like the dude's talking about what you'd want them to talk about. Yeah. When is TCAF this year? May? Oh, bugger. May? Yeah, when it's before you you're in Canada. Canada. Yeah, I'm in Canada at the end of June. Uh-huh. Yeah. Be in Toronto for a bit. They're not far apart. Good. Then Montreal. Looking forward to that. I'm going to go to the Jazz Festival. There's a jazz of the regular kind. How are we pronouncing that? The Jazz Festival. No, no, that wasn't how you pronounced it. You said Jazz. <laughs> Well, yes, I did. Jazz, see? You're falling into I was, this. I was, you like this. You I like was feeling dapper, see? Bring us, bring us back to the modern day with Roller Girl. <laughs> I'd say modern day. It started in like 1910. but uh, Yes, it did. Roller, Roller Derby is, is old. Yeah. Roller Derby the... is like, it's, it, it originated in my kind of literary period. You could have imagined Virginia Woolf playing it. How much time would you say you spend imagining Virginia Woolf play, uh, playing Roller Derby? Quite a bit. Line up. I'm, I'm thinking like Vita Sackville West would be jamming. It's amazing you get anything else done. Wolf would probably be Pivot. Why? Why? Um, kind of. She uh, put herself forward. Sexual thing. She put herself forward a bit, Sorry. a bit, but not that much. She'd be kind of nervous about it, but she'd still be semi-assertive. Yeah. I don't know who else would make up the um, the blocking pack, though. I mean, Otline Morell would be in there. Um, we need some Mitfords, I think. Yeah. Mitfords they didn't, they didn't get on that well with the Mitfords. No, I know. Rival team. Oh, yes. Well, that's your next comic written, isn't it? <laughs> I am not pitching another comic about Virginia Woolf. Playing Roller Derby against the Mitfords. <laughs> actually, that's quite good. Not this time. That is actually kind of fun. I am... Um, copyright! Broken. We've copyrighted that. Yeah, you just bellow copyright and then it <laughs> happens. Once the idea's out there publicly, no, it's, I'm familiar. copyright is assertive. I'm familiar. Especially if you scream it. Oh, you assertive thing, you. Tell us about the fucking book. I'm just, I'm, I'm sad. I want to say that I'm sad. That I'm, I'm, never trying to gonna... pro- I'm trying to protect his intellectual property and he's I'm being sad about something else. What are you sad Stop about? Stop assuming my feelings. Oh, no, no, I wasn't, I, was, I wasn't assuming your feelings. I was interrupting you. Completely <laughs> different. <laughs> I think your sadness is probably more interesting than anything he could feasibly say. So. Well, it began when I was 12 years old. No. I'm um, now. I mean, it did, but that's another story. Um, 
I'm very sad that my sort of perennially dodgy ankles and lack of balance coordination, I'm never going to get to use my Derby name of choice. Mm. Which is? Kilvia Shankhurst. Ooh. I think nice. it's a good one. I've tried to persuade three people now to take Ophelia Payne as their Derby name and none of them have done it. Urethra Franklin. <laughs> Please do tell us about um, Roller Girl, though. So Roller Girl is a comic about roller derby. Woo! Fucking love roller derby. It's just the most fun. Um, and it's written by um, Victoria Jameson. Um, she's a lady from Portland that plays roller derby and illustrates books. And I think this is her first full-length graphic novel. Do you Are these prerequisites for living in Portland? Yes. Okay. There's, there's a checkpoint. You've got to have um, your skates, you've got to have your tablet and your pen. Yeah. No skates, no Cintiq, no service. Bravo. <laughs> See? Grudging acknowledgement <laughs> is the best you're going to get from me. Um, so, yeah. She seems like a cool dude. It's a comic about a um, little girl called Astrid, who, at the age of 12, gets taken by her slight... She says overbearing, but is obviously not and is just lovely mum. Mm-hmm. To see a game of roller derby kind of gets a little bit spellbound by this particular jammer and decides she wants to be a roller girl and signs up for summer roller camp with her best friend Nicole, she thinks, except Nicole has signed up for ballet camp and oh no, strife! Oh no, strife! Um, God knows there's no drama in roller derby. Yeah. And so she and Nicole drift apart and Nicole makes friends at ballet camp with this other girl that Astrid didn't like and Astrid doesn't really Astrid doesn't really fit in and she struggles to make friends and there's all of the early stage angst and then she does fit in and she does make friends and her skating gets better but then the lies she's telling her mum get discovered it's all of this kind of up and down pattern of sort of fit in, crash, fit in, crash until it comes to a final catastrophe um, which she just about picks her way through and then there's the sort of valedictory moment and she it sort of has the happy ending in that she sort of reconciles with all of her friends, but it's not pat, it's not clean. Mm-hmm. So her Derby friend she reconciles with, but sort of a bit, and there's still some tension, which then gradually declines. And she has a big bang of reconciliation with her, um, with with um, with Nicole, but it's a learning experience for both of them, and it's still a bit hesitant, and mm-hmm. they're clearly going to go different ways. Their lives have diverged, and they're probably not coming back together properly. It's got a couple of these sort of slightly glib look to camera moments, which are. There, there are one or two moments where it breaks, and you can obviously tell that the person writing it has aimed it quite squarely at kids. Mm-hmm. So there's a thing where one of the panels is just, so hey, remember kids, if you ever get into massive shit with your parents, talk it through, they'll totally love you for it. And it's just, it's cringy. It's tongue in cheek, but it is still super cringy. And the rest of it doesn't really break character like that. It's mostly yeah. this almost, this one summer esque. I mean, that's become my sort of. If not high bar, then up there for Benchmark totally getting stuff. teen language mm-hmm. and articulating emotional experience without being patronising. And it's almost that good pretty much the entire way through. Astrid is very immediate. You, There's a very keen sense of who she is and of what she's feeling. Her experience doesn't feel like it's patronisingly observed. It feels like you are following through her life and feeling stuff. It's also a really good explanation of Roller Derby. Roller Derby's kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, this book will give you some teen feels, give you some really interesting non-heavy hand and non-label stuff about um, socialised gender, mm-hmm. um, explain roller derby and it's kind of fun. And the art is, it's illustrate It's it, it does some really cool things with small panels. Mm-hmm. It Quite often it breaks into lots of little micro panels for facial expressions and sort of heads and... It, 
the, it does an expand contract thing with panel size to do with strength of feeling and kind of emotional attention that's quite cool mm-hmm. listeners if you can hear the the popo in the background it's it's purely because they finally come for us not the fuzz yes the five the pigs the cocoa pops it's the fucking rosas dude Scarpa, let's tally ho. See, so that that that's a hearty recommendation for Roller Girl then. Yeah, it's it's utterly charming. It's fluent. It's fun. The art looks a bit basic, but then you kind of the more you look at it, there's actually it's very polished. Um, yeah, and I Roller Derby is just the best. She's got on her website this little ebook, which is sort of a making of, mm. and it's it's aimed at youngish people she teaches illustration sometimes and it's quite a nice walk through of some of her thinking and process as well as just sort of a massive big up to a bunch of roller girls it's utterly lovely i do like that there is a sort of that there's sort of people like like jameson and rainy tablemeyer who are acknowledging that they've got a younger audience mm. people are reading them through school libraries and things like that and just thoroughly completely engaged with it um, and it is kind of separate to the the, the thrust of comics publishing. Mm. It's it did really re- nice to see. It did, however, remind me of that time the crazy lady harangued me about Hugh Jackman on Twitter, and that, then it made me scared. Sorry, what? <laughs> so I was talking about um, uh, is it Richard Morgan the 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 um, the, um, the gay yeah the gay Conan. I thought that was... Um... It's The Steel Remains of the Cold Command and Dark Files. I think it's Richard Morgan. Um, the quite fun, quite bleak sci-fi novels about what is basically gay Conan the Barbarian. And I was whiffling all about it because I just finished the third one and thought it was really very good if a little bit on the nose in places and um, was kind of trying to fan- was trying to fantasy cast a movie adaptation and decided that, well, you probably want a slightly prettier buff Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman's pretty buff. What do you... What do you what he do you buffs have? up for Wolverine. I think he's just staying there now because losing it and going back would, would be, be problematic. He's and not he's... that buff in Les Mis. Mm. Are you sure he's not just in heavy coats? Yeah, he's in heavy coats. But he's... The bit where he's dying, he, he's in heavy coats. But like, he's, he's apparently he's really, really good at musical theatre. He, he started off in Oklahoma. Yeah. He, interviews, he's great. he interviews really well about it. I've heard him interview a couple of times. He's kind of... But he does the the burly Wolverine shit quite well. And I just thought, great combination for a character that's sort of... What you've got is a sort of a, a big gay murder barbarian, but with a very modern consciousness in a barbarian setting. Solomon Gain. So Solomon Cain, but with the word gay in it. I'll work on that. We'll, we'll workshop something. Carry on. Should we just set fire to it? Oh, that's... Take him to the freaky circus. Yeah. You're, you're going set to the circus, Conroy. In the big top. The clown wants a word. You know. Why did one. this woman berate you on Twitter? Um, because apparently I, she, she was like, like, she just spent the entire evening berating people about Hugh Jackman. She was some kind of mad internet super fan. And yeah, it was just fairly terrifying. She, she jumped into my timeline and spent about 20 minutes correcting me for my misconceptions about how Hugh Jackman wasn't only Wolverine. He was actually a very sensitive soul. Very sensitive Wolverine. Which was kind of what I'd been suggesting about the casting anyway, except I was being way less creepy. I was reading something today about... Um... 
how the Harry Potter film stars have reacted to their sort of huge fan base, and it turns out that Rupert Grint can't say no to fans to the extent that he ended up going around to someone's house and then they sent him out to a kebab shop in full drag at four in the morning because he can't say no. What? That's that amazing. doesn't sound so much like Rupert Grint can't say no as Rupert... Grint has a drinking problem. And He's in a terrible fix. Went, went to a, went to someone's house in a stupid way and drank some beer and then put on ladies' clothes. And, and then made up an shop. excuse about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but who's Either never way. end up drunkenly dragging up at four in the morning? To go to a kebab shop. Yeah. No, I normally... Do you remember that time I once got really drunk and walked all the way, walked through Arbury just to get some weed whilst wearing a dinner jacket? So yeah, that was, I mean, that was Roller Girl. Roller Girl is great. Read Roller Girl. I think it's reasonably fresh out. So I picked it up in part because fucking Roller Derby, but also it looked weird and small press, and it turns out it's a Penguin US All Ages imprint, which is cool. Could, could I ask how your anecdote about Hugh Jackman on Twitter and some weird novels and going to Arbury in a tin jacket to buy a weed in the middle of the night tie into Roller Girl? Because I feel like there was a, a link that we missed there. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> um, you just... You just Weird stuff. Call an ambulance. He's had a stroke. <laughs> no, right, so. Um, only the Hugh Jackman part correct connects. The rest is just me being weird. <laughs> see. But uh, uh, one of the characters in it has a sort of obsession with Hugh Jackman um, in a slightly creepy, overbearing way that reminded me of Weird Twitter Lady, which reminded me of the novels. Then I went off and on about Hugh Jackman. And I don't know where dinner jacket photography weed comes into it. I... Don't get old, kids. <laughs> Don't get old. And if you do, lay off the sauce. <laughs> I love the sauce. You do. And it loves you. It does. It cherishes me. Hello, Roger. <laughs> but oh, for those dear. of you at home, he's, he's holding a beer bottle and waving it at Roger and pretending that it's grown the ability to speak. Hello, boozy. I love you. What else have you read? Do people ever think you're in a relationship? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. So, Roger, what else have you read? And bear in mind that I will not accept an anecdote about Hugh Jackman this time. <laughs> what the fuck else have you actually read? Are you familiar with Hugh Jackman? Uh, the Ackman is in general moderately sized. I won't accept it from you either. Alas. He was really good in Oklahoma. What else have I read? Um, I have read... It's I there. Have, it's I, in front of you. Say the words. Snacks. There's two it's things are there in front of me. There are two other... Th- I haven't talked about I Am Fire yet, have I? No. So I've read I Am Fire and The Red Road, and I'll try and get through them quickly. But you told us about when a crazy lady shouted at you on the internet. <laughs> I assumed you were going to cut that. You told us about a time when you had to go and buy drugs. <laughs> oh, yeah. In um, fancy clothes. That was a weird in a day. poor part of town. It was a weird day. Okay, so Hugh Jackman. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, right, I'm going to read the things that Roger is meant to have read out now because he won't shut the fuck up. He won't shut the fuck up. This one's called The Red Road. Uh, Red Road, it's by Rosie Hathaway. Or Rosie Hathaway, I'm not sure. It's a comic. Roger, why don't you tell us a little bit about this physical object in front of you? You are such a cunt. Who are you to say that Hugh Jackman isn't a physical object in front of him? That's a microphone. (laughs) Oh! It's cute and it's good at singing. It was Wolverine! 
It's not. It? No, if right. anything was, it's the guy in the Pringles chair. Oh, right, shit. so um, The Red Road by Rosie Hathaway is, or Rosie Hathaway, I do not know, is, it's a little self-published, small issue thing I picked up in, um, in Gosh the weekend. It's a beautiful thing. It's quite painty, lots of colour wash stuff going on. It's got a really unusual time scheme and some memory stuff. It's not entirely clear whether it's happening or recollected. You could read it a couple of ways. I pause it as the latter phase hallucinations of someone dying. Um, it, depending on how you look at it, might be horrifyingly cultural, culturally appropriate or at least a little bit tone deaf. So the Red Road, based on the kind of poem, there's a, there's supposed to be a kind of indigenous peoples, first peoples, whatever we're going with for that. Bit Where of, is it? Bit, uh, North America, I think. Indigenous. I think First Peoples is purely a Canadian term. Mm. Um, North American Indigenous Peoples um, kind of myth thing hanging off it. Except a little bit of cursory Googling reveals that most that the Red Road as a concept is mostly a sort of appropriated, dreadlocked, hippie, hogswash version of something that's actually massively more nuanced. Now, this is not actually that. It doesn't feel grossly insensitive, but then that's not a culture I know anything enough about to make those judgments. It... I'm worried it might be a little bit appropriate but it doesn't feel unkind. Uh, so what, do, do we know it's definitely appropriate in us, and do we know that the creator is definitely not of those cultures? There's a little thing at the back saying, I hope this is respectful to the cultures I've borrowed gotcha. from. And it reasonably is, it's just... So the, thing that the thing that worries me about it, I don't think it's insensitive, but the thing, the thing that worries me about it is that um, it feels like it might be built around something that has been extracted at one level of removed from authenticity, and therefore might have a couple of might have a little bit of stuff baked in. It's it it got bugs in a on the way there yeah. almost yeah. So, but what it actually is is a lovely soulful sort of sensitive little thing. It's there's this girl with the wandering through the land with a couple of animals. Um, may or may not be spirit guides. It, it's very understated. There's very little text. There aren't even that many panels. And something terrible has happened to her. And she's talking about walking this road, this path to the future, to being reunited with her ancestors. And it becomes gradually obvious that obviously she's going to die. And at the very end of it, spoilers, she walks off a cliff. Um, and this, this bear and this wolf and maybe a bird are sort of helping her and reassuring her. And then it periodically cuts back to a village burning and some stuff that might be quite unpleasantly rapey, but you can't totally tell. It could be a recovery narrative. It feels to me like a sort of coming to peace with yourself, dying narrative. But it, it's, a, it's a beautiful little thing. It's very short. Um, sometimes these little A5 self-publishing things can feel like appalling sort of narrative to cash value. Um, and if this weren't beautiful, I'd say it was a terrible offender. But I don't know how you set the economics for this. This is super hard with publishing, like mass market I think you're, you're paying as much for an object of beauty as you are for a story in that yeah, form. Exactly. Usually, it's, it's how it works with the zine stuff, yeah. with the I don't like my hair neat. You're paying for... Yeah. concepts and looking at cool things as much as tales told. Exactly. And if, if I were just, hey, where's my narrative fix? I'm not paying a five for that. I'd be grumpy. But actually, it's a gorgeous little thing. Mm. At exactly the same price point as the other thing is I Am Fire by... Um, Lifting up the snack bag. By Rachel Smith. Which is much, much longer... Um, but fuck it, we're not into narrative economics and price point stuff here. It, I mean, we are because I just talked about it, but it doesn't really matter. It's, it's Her stuff looks a bit like General Allison. She has a newspaper strip, and she's done some stuff before, and I think she's done some stuff on Doctor Who magazine, comics-wise. Um, this sort of very self-assured, slightly sarky teen comic. It's about this girl... Um, 
Jenny, who is halfway through, realizes there's this wonderful panel where she just says, Oh God, I'm horrible. What a minging moment of clarity. Um, Which is, yeah, very, very bad machinery. Mm-hmm. It's, um, yeah, there's this kind of slightly awful, slightly mouthy teenage girl on a bad work experience gig who bumps into a troubled pyromaniac and they don't quite hit it off because that's outside the comic. This is kind of how they come to meet properly when he is working for a fire training provider and sets fire to her department store. Right, so I'm just reading the, the blurb on the back there and it says... Things start to heat up when Chris, a young pyromaniac, crashes stoically into her life. Fucking adverbs. That's just, terrible just, copy. That's it's, it's the worst. Just, just don't adverb like that. Just don't, don't. I mean, I he s- does, he does, he does pyromane pretty stoically. How does, how does, he, how does one crash stoically? Yes. But, except I think that's the joke. So this has, there's a wonderful Maybe. idiom. There's a wonderful idiom all through it. So. It ends in this incredibly, incredibly glib way that is very, very tongue-in-cheek. All of the characters are dreadful caricatures. It's it's just splendid fun. And there's something in the facial expressions and the way the characters are put together. Where you, you know this is this is absolute bullshit. That guy. Mm. No, it's, it's 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 great. I loved it. The um, like, there's this wonderful cutaway reveal in the first couple of pages where she's on the phone to her mum while she's making a terrible mess of expensive wool and glue puts the phone down and there's this huge queue of shoppers that's been waiting behind her while she pours glue onto wool at the at the service desk and goes, do you still want this stuff it's all fucked up now <laughs> um, yeah it, it, it's, it's good teen uh, it, it gives good teen honestly sounds like my mid-twenties um, that that sounds like a lot of the time we spent in borders. Yeah. Well, at least you guys kept the kept the flame burning. Speaking, we of started which, some small fires. That's yes. true. I will. Um, I will. We, dig we out did that, indeed start the fire. I will dig out that picture you drew of the store on fire, and we can put it in the show notes. Oh, that will be nice. There's, there's been a lot of my artwork dug out this week, which is interesting because I can't draw. Not well. No, not well at all. But that's okay. But yeah, that's what I read. Um, I Am Fire, I would unequivocally recommend. It's kind of small and disposable, but it's tremendous fun. Um, and it really it does, weird fun as it well. does the teen idiom. Or fun weird. Yeah, the style suits it brilliantly. It doesn't like weird fun. Every character in it is a fucking idiot. It's it's great. Yeah. I quite like, I, I like that non-judgmental dumb teens thing. Mm. And... Um, that's something that we can fix it. Um, the Jess Fink book does very well. Mm-hmm. Like you've just got to go through this crap. That's what you do at that age. You're going to be an asshole. Yeah. You might as well do it in an amazing fashion that makes a good comic at the end. Speaking of the grim, frankly embarrassing, inevitable day, what have you read? Oh, I see what you did there. It was um, rude. It was yeah, rude. Quite frankly, it was disrespectful. Oh, okay, no, disrespectful's going too far. Rude, rude, why do we owe you respect? Yeah, I think the I'm making you a Oh, shit. Okay, disrespectful. Yep, totally 100% yeah, agreed. I, you're, I, in, you're in my house. I want that poutine. Yeah, you do. Have we mentioned it's the poutine cast? It is the poutine cast. What's the, what's the podcast wine, Roger? Unfortunately, the podcast wine is beer. beer. <laughs> we thought it would go better with poutine. Jolly Unfortunately, good. we've drunk it all. Whoops! <laughs> yeah. But that's fine, because there's some tequila. 
Hooray! Gonna be a party tonight! <laughs> I have to get a bus later. This will be fun time. Tuesday. Oh Christ, is it really Tuesday? I don't want it to be Tuesday. Well, let's see if we can do something about that. Spoilers, we can't. We have no control over time. <laughs> Dave, what have you been reading? Make the pain go I away. I have been reading uh, Nemo, River of Ghosts, which is the latest League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Is it still shit? No. Uh, it's not as shit as the first Nemo book, um, which was the Lovecraft-inspired one. Um, Do they find Nemo in the River of Ghosts? Is that where he was lost to? It's, it's Jenny Nemo, Captain Nemo's daughter, and uh, they go down the Amazon in a submarine with Kukulan. And what? <laughs> Just back that one right up. <laughs> so, you, the basic premise of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is that all literary characters, mythological characters, indeed, all indeed. exist altogether. Um in this one, Captain Nemo's daughter, Jenny Nemo, who was introduced in Black Dossier, um, is sort of getting towards the end of her life. And the one thing that she wants to do more than anything is uh, fucking destroy Maria, the robot from Metropolis. Okay. Uh, oh, sorry. No. <laughs> she wants to destroy she, she who shall not be named, from the H. Ryder Haggard novels. Um so she sets off down the Amazon in her submarine to do this, and she's accompanied by a mercenary who is Kukulan, mm. the great Irish hero. Of course. Um, who also turns out to be Desperate Dan's father. Um, this is getting messy. Yeah, well, that's, this is what it does. It just throws together a whole load of literary stuff. And they go and raid a Nazi factory in the this, Amazon. This is all... fanfic mashup, yes. essentially. Yeah, it's Alan okay. Moore doing it, so it's slightly weirder and probably better done than most, most people More highbrow, arguably. Yeah, they find a, uh, they find a, a factory manufacturing robot slaves who are obviously from the Midwich Cuckoos. And stuff happens. Um... I really like the second one of the Jenny Nemo trilogy. It was sort of rooted in German expressionism. Oh, the weird expressionist you want. And I've got a lot of time for that sort of stuff. It was it was really good. This one sort of lives more in 1960s, 1970s uh, exploitation movies and is a bit less interesting for it, I think. But it's not... Hmm. As much of an out-and-out shambles as the first of them was. Oh, was a fucking train wreck. Um, the I, I'd say the second two have definitely been good and definitely worth reading, and they're they're back in territory of characters that people might know, um, because the first one sort of felt like they'd played out every conceivable character they could have used. Mm. And this doesn't. This well, fundamentally, doesn't no fucking knows anyone from the nineteen twenties, right? Yeah. And they weren't going to use Bertie Wooster, so... They already used Bertie Wooster in Black Dossier. Oh, uh, yes, of course. Um, just, just plundering the Western literary canon. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, one of the reasons that it took years for Black Dossier to come out was that the, uh, the Fleming estate mm. were not happy about how Commander Jimmy was portrayed um, as a kind of misogynist, rapist, ultraviolet lunatic. Which is odd, because that's pretty much exactly how Mr. Fleming wrote him. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, Sail on, as you were intended to. Yeah, so some yeah. changes had to be made for the UK release. 
Um, mercifully, I got it in the Americas mm. and, and, and read it. It's kind of painful. Mm. Um, so, uh, no unequivocal recommendation for that one, but you've, if you've enjoyed any of the League stuff, then it's a worthwhile addition, if not necessarily a worthy one. Honestly, I just... I struggle with the lead stuff, League stuff after the first trade. The second one's okay, but... No, I, kind I really of feel like, like the second one. I kind of feel like the concept, certainly by the end of the first trade, but arguably, sorry, certainly by the end of the second trade, but arguably by the end of the first, the concept is kind of played out. The second one has Rupert the Bear as one of Dr. Moreau's experiments. Oh, sure, it's full of Just cute little don't... moments, but it's too winked to camera. No, I, well, if you don't like that, don't don't bother. No, but I, but I love that in the first one. I just thought the second one did... Did it harder for less payoff? You guys need to take fists to this. There's clearly no other way to resolve the argument. I demand pugilism. (laughs) Howard the Duck. Is that a thing? Of course it's a thing. No, I mean, I know it's a thing. I mean, is it, is it a new thing or have you read it's the old thing? It's a new thing. Chip Zdarsky's writing Howard the Duck for Marvel with... Um... Zdarsky, Howard the Duck. Yes. How Zdarsky. did I miss this? Zdarsky. How did I miss Zdarsky? Zdarsky. 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 Good noises. Yes, he's writing Howard the Duck. It's You're never going to guess, but it's actually a broad, slightly weird comedy. From that nice young man, Chip, you say? Yes, yes. It's um, So he's, he's clearly having a blast pissing about with the Marvel Universe because he keeps calling up Spider-Man whenever he can. <laughs> and at one point, Spider-Man thinks he's failed to save Howard and just collapses in a heap screaming about Uncle Ben. And uh, it's quite, uh, quite silly. And it's thrown in Guardians of the Galaxy now and absolutely everything. Because, you know, you've got... Howard the Duck and he was in Guardians of the Galaxy and clearly it's a bit of a cash grab because people want to know who that character was. Yeah. Um, and they're not going to go back for the old stuff but if they run something new and it's vaguely modern taste friendly... Yeah, why not? So it's Chip Zdarsky. Joker Nones is doing the artwork. The artwork's very nice. What does it look like, Dave? It looks like... Uh, it's kind of high detailed for... Um, for a book about a cartoon It duck. looks like slightly gothic ducktails. Yeah, so Ooh. it starts out as though it's a um, mm, fun. grim, low-rent detective story and very quickly turns into a cosmic-scale nonsense. Um, in fact, cosmic-scale nonsense is the phrase I'm going to use to describe it. Mm. Um, well, it's practically it a genre now. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Silver Surfer, Cosmic Scale Nonsense. Yeah, Silver Surfer. I haven't read since the first trade came out, but it, it's lovely. Do you, do you, if you want to read a comic book about a reclaimed 1970s Marvel character that's pretty daft and pretty funny, then read Howard the Duck. If that doesn't appeal, don't don't read Howard the Duck. It sounds great. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, the other thing that, uh, that, that I've read was uh, Sam Zabel and the Magic Pen uh, by Dylan Horrocks, who is... There's no way of saying big in the New Zealand comics scene without sounding slightly pissy. <laughs> but um, it's very true. It is true. What's, um, the, what's that famous one that people at home will know him from? Hicksville. Yes. Um, so which, Hick- uh, which Hobbit does he play? You're thinking of everyone in Flight of the Concords. Mm. Also everyone have. in New Zealand. Um, Sorry. Was I just really racist? Yes. Oh, God. Against white people. I feel bad. And Hobbits. I feel worse about the Hobbits. Yeah. So Hicksville was um, his sort of big calling card to the industry. It was about 
a town in New Zealand, in fairly rural New Zealand, where everyone knew everything about comics and they had this vast library and it was um, sort of secret to outsiders. And then one person who was a fairly dim sketch of Todd McFarlane uh, took it all and became rich and famous in America doing corporate DC bullshit. Um, and it was a fairly strong rail against that and, and a sort of find your own muse, do your own thing, don't ignore culture. Um, Marry stuff. It didn't really do that. A which was quite, of, there was a little bit of A little bit of that. A little bit, not too much. Not too much. No, it wasn't heavy-handed. It was incidental. Yeah. And it was quite nice. And then he uh, somehow wound up writing for DC and hated it. And then didn't really do anything of his own for quite a while. Now he's got a new comic out, which is about a cartoonist who had one massive hit in New Zealand. And then (laughs) went to work for DC and absolutely hated it. They're all, you know, they're all, they're they're, they're, they're given different names. but He's got a pretty diverse portfolio, though. Yes, um, but given that he wrote a comic about how terrible all of the major publishers were and then went to work for them, you can't really give him too much leeway. Um, yeah, he writes semi-autobiographical stuff when he's happy. Um, so sounds is it able, any good? It is, and initially it irked me because it did a lot. Of, I mean, I got quite annoyed at the sculpture a couple of weeks ago, mm. um, and it is a lot of that sort of thing. It is. It is about authorship and intent but it it when it opens up and gets to be the thing that it wants to be it's actually about um much more about how we engage with fantasy um in pretty much every sense um so it's it's he the the character is quite uptight and he doesn't want to really write uh, about his sort of fantasies or engage with the things that he genuinely wants. So, because he, he sort of has this failure to engage with the things that he actually desires and so ends up writing this sort of crass, porny version of an older character for a thinly, thinly veiled DC comics. Um, which is what he did. He went and wrote Batgirl for a while and didn't enjoy it and then came back to New Zealand and hid. And so he's full of imposter syndrome, and eventually he gets sucked inside a magic comic, which is um, a very, very thinly veiled, I'm going to say thinly veiled a lot, it's it's only appropriate. Um, it's essentially a, a porn take on um, the John Carter, the Edgar Rice Burroughs novels. Um, God, I tried actually reading those. I think they're fun. They are all of their time, but they, they can be a bit of a slog. Yeah, uh, so can Lord of the Rings. I got through a lot of them in about five days. Yeah. Um, and he sort of travels between various different comics and goes through various different people's um, fantasies. So there's that, there's the sort of warrior king gets a harem of sweaty green ladies. Um, there's various stuff with uh, manga and then it quite neatly ties into another character who's sort of presented as uh, as essentially sort of um, modern female fandom the sort of really engaged um, in some ways sort of more sexually aware going straight for what she desires out of uh, of the, the comics that she reads and creating her own stuff and it's sort of contrasting the sort of middle-aged white guy 
um, who's in a rut denying what he likes um, versus the sort of young, more engaged fandom. And it starts out slowly. It, it, I sort of felt like I was going to hate it for the first third and then it really does find its feet and, and land with something quite interesting, even if it is very on the nose at times. Um, it is occasionally quite crudely written. Not much is left to subtext. Hmm. But I... I think it's worth reading. It's not going to sort of turn heads in the same way that Hicksville did. Um, but it's it's genuinely worthwhile. Um, it's it's available now as a webcomic as well. You can read the entire thing as a webcomic. Okay. I really struggle with... I get with, the impression I'd prefer not to. I, I, I struggle with narrative, like long-form narrative as a webcomic. And I'd much rather read it as a book like this. So Fantagraphics in North America, Knockabout here, have published uh-huh. it as a book. So this week we were we were gonna uh, have the topic of uh, a roundup of indie comics. Then it turned out that was exactly what we'd read. Yeah, I basically just shitted on for an hour. So we might come back to this um, and sort of look at some of the some of the stuff from um, independent publishers and people who self-publish that are worth reading and how we find stuff. But to be honest, you've had your recommendations there. Yeah, I mean we could we could easily go again just. Each dumping 20 quid on the indie table at Gosh. We could easily go again. Instead, I think we should have some poutine. Let's get some poutine. Good night. Adios. Fare thee well.